Howdy, hey, and welcome to Nice Shorts. I'm Fu Yang, and I'm Johnny Nil. And this is a show where we interview animators about the shorts they make. Today we have the second part of our interview with the Emmy Award-winning team at Threadwood. You can see their Emmy. More legs than Scott. Yes. Emmy. In part two, winners. They share many more great tips, like how to light a fireplace in Stamo. The trophy right on their shelf. How they balance personal projects with client projects. Behind them, come on. And how they want to be. Become a full-service animation studio. From the spark of an idea to the finished product. Emmy Award winners. So let's jump back in with Lex and Scott. And now on with the show. Why don't you listen to this podcast? You should. When you guys create Flumpy, that is one of the example about the character have different color with the clay. So、mm. yeah, for that technique, how do you keep it clean? It's, there's no other answer other than just like being really careful,、mm-hmm. um, but there is like some tricks that I've done that help. So Flumpy had a couple of had both things going on. I had like the, I think he had like a white chest and like、mm-hmm. the rest was like kind of an orange brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his little feet were white and his、yes. nose was white and stuff. And so there was a a line like a clean line going down his front. Mm. Right, and I think that I didn't have any tricks there. That was just being very careful and clean. No, I no I, <laughs> I'm getting to that because there there is a hard piece there, but the majority of it is just like a a white, just normal clay okay, next to colored clay. Got it. So that seam line is just very carefully not trying to smush my thumbs into it. You know. Okay.、Um, and if I do, then I just have to like scrape it away and re-sculpt it.、Uh, but I also take like Sculpey clay and I'll bake some pieces hard、uh, for this purpose of being able to like like I think he had he had like a a fluffy chest piece that was、mm-hmm. kind of shaped、mm-hmm. like that、like、little scallops that kind of was also shaped like a triangle going up to his face so、mm-hmm. that was hard and so if I got some of the orange clay onto it I could just like wipe it off and it was、mm-hmm. hard so it wouldn't deform. And then, like、mm-hmm. his little cheek puffs were also hard.、Um, and a better example of this is、uh, that Lin animation、yes. that I did, like the lady that's dancing. Yes. Because I did、uh, stuff where, like, I baked hard pieces for her, the ends of her sleeves. So, like, it was like green clay, then hard green clay, and then her hands. So there was like a piece, a hard piece there that I could clean off if I was. Oh, for the, the edge. Hand. Yeah, and it was like a hard piece around her neck, and at the top of her、uh, waist. Like her waistband, yeah. Yeah, her waistband at the bottom of her pant legs. Those are like hard clay pieces, just to keep the colors from crossing over. And if they did, I could just wipe them off. And then her hair was also like hard pieces in some spots too. Yeah, she had some hard hair pieces also. So it's like a mix of just being really careful and then finding. Where I can bake hard pieces of clay to keep them separated. Is there a trick to cleaning your hands in a way so you can go animate again quickly? Yeah,、um, just using baby wipes.、Uh, okay, it gets the clay off really quickly and cleanly, and、uh, they're meant to clean sticky things. Yeah, <laughs> sticky baby <laughs> bottoms. But yeah, but then like, so is your hand pretty much good to go animate again right away, or? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I don't do anything beyond that. Um, but like sometimes I'll forget. Like I'll 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 finish sculpting a character for a frame, and I'll have been touching a bunch of like purple clay, and、mm-hmm. then I'll take the frame, and then I'll immediately go in and like grab the white clay, and be like, oh no, I have to like scrape it off. And re-sculpt it and clean my fingers up really nice,、um, and then go. It's like I usually try to keep like a rhythm to it, like work with this color, then this color,、um, so that when I start the next frame, I'm like back on the same color, and then switch to the other color, so that I'm not like cross-contaminating the colors all the time. What does someone with sweaty hands do?、Uh, 
don't know if you'd want to be an animator. <laughs> yeah, you don't want sweaty hands when you're animating, so I don't know. Just have a look at, at least not sweaty hands. Like basketball wristbands or something. Yeah. <laughs> Just like full the cost. Like I got this. <laughs> Where, actually, if they live in LA, they can't afford to look cost to animate. They're yeah, no. <laughs> Maybe just wear entirely tarot cloth so you can have some place to wipe at all times. Yeah. That sounds legitimately comfortable, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the project, we just say about Lean, and that is for uh, 11 second challenge, right? Is that mainly yeah. for that? Yeah. That was the first thing we did in like garage. Yeah, that was like the first project we did in the garage in LA. Um, mm hmm. And I was like wanting to test the space. I wanted to test my ideas about like the hard clay. Mm -hmm. um, and then I had some other ideas about a clay puppet. Like I tried something new with her shoulders. Um, and I was just basically like, I wanted to build a humanoid puppet out of all clay and see how it worked. And I also wanted to give like a claymation animation, like a, uh, I wanted to win on 11 second club because I, I don't I haven't checked in a while but I when I was doing it there was no like stop motion that had ever won one of the challenges they'd get like second place and stuff and oh. all, <laughs> all this like CG like clogging up this website mm -hmm. <laughs> so, I, I think it got like second place or something which was great it was, yes. it was really fun to do um, after you just said you don't want second place like, that's great. <laughs> He's incredibly competitive. <laughs> I just, I like, I, I love stop motion so much. I want, I'm like a cheerleader for it. And I just want people to respect it because it, sometimes it feels like, oh yeah, stop motion is cool. But like CG is, is, is like the animation. Um, I hear you. I uh, hear you. <laughs> yeah. it. Go find, go find both from the nineties and let's see which one held up better. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm a, I don't want to get any hate for that. I'm kidding. I, know. I, don't, um. I don't mean to crap on CG. It's just like I right. I prefer stop motion. I yeah. prefer to watch stop motion and to work in stop motion. Um, CG animation is great. I just it's I have a preference. I have a preference, yeah. Okay. We're not yucking anyone's home. You don't even have to clean the keyboard when you're done. What's that about? Um, <laughs> what, mind if I ask what the new thing was you tried on the shoulders? Oh yeah, um, because is it the armature wiggle? No, it's uh. So typically in a stop motion puppet, if you want like shrugging action, uh, mm -hmm. it'll be like a mm -hmm. ball and socket puppet that has like a, a joint like right here or something that mm -hmm. moves like this. Mm -hmm. um, but I just wanted to try like a, a really low budget way of doing it, which was like I made a chest piece for it's like a hard piece. Um, within the puppet and I just basically like I drilled holes uh, in the top of the of the chest piece mm -hmm. uh, and I just mm -hmm. put round brass stock in it and then I had a wire that had a round brass stock on the end of it so without any clay on the puppet you just slide the shoulders into these round holes uh. and then the arm can like swivel like this and you can just like lift the shoulder in and out um, oh. And That's it doesn't like it doesn't hold its position without clay, but when you put clay on because it's you know it can hold things in place, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like just you can it in and out Ooh. and it holds its pose. So I wanted to try that because I don't I don't love ball and socket armatures because they can they tend to like get tangled underneath the puppet and you might not be sure what's going on with the shoulder and you might like hit like a stopping point or something like that. So I was just trying to figure out a way to get some nice shrugs without using ball and socket. So you made like a free floating armature that is held by a sinewy kind of clay. Exactly. Yeah. And then, so like in Flumpy also, I kind of designed an armature that was mostly held together by the clay. Cause, uh, it's just like, you don't, you don't need everything to be like attached yeah. and, yeah. and all that. If you have clay holding it in place. Mm. And also it's like very easy to repair. I mean, like, you know, none of those things went through the rigors of like a long production, but like right. if they had, it'd mm. be super easy to just replace that wire because it's not like glued in where now you have to like drill the piece out. 
put a new piece in and then put the, you know, like whatever cleanup you're going to have to get into to like repair that is mm. minimal. Okay. You just make a backup arm. I want to give you both an award. Like, I don't know. That just sounds amazing. <laughs> like, that, yeah, a little yeah. bit like uh, about the character design, because you guys are all strong at drawing. So how do you guys doing this conversation for those? How should they look? Um, I think that's mostly Scott. I'd say I usually come up with like ideas, mm -hmm. but um, mm -hmm. characters are not really my jam. I'm a space person, like spaces. Ooh, right. like environment. Hmm. Environment. Oh right. wow! But okay. Lex provides valuable mm. input on the characters. Like I'll design characters and she'll look at them and make suggestions on what might make it funnier, what will make it more relatable or or something like that. And yeah. So it's still- Or it's if like, I have something burning in my brain, I'll like provide you an example or like a really ridiculous drawing. Yeah. 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 And then like it, it, colors also, like if I'm yeah. trying to figure out the colors of the the clothes or the hair or whatever um it's a conversation i love mm. color that's my <laughs> yeah <laughs> as i wear all black <laughs> i do love color very selective colors you're like you knew the environment behind you was gonna have all the colors you're like i know how to put this out I'm i can be, i can be in black do you, do you sculpt too like sometimes I mean, yeah, for, I usually would do like sets and paints and stuff. So that does require a bit of sculpting. Um, and I've helped you like lay up a body before, but not like, <laughs> I haven't like done a lot of detail, like mm -hmm. puppet sculpting so much. That's the most murdery sentence I think I've heard yet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was wondering if you're going to call our animation stage a murder room just because of the like duotine walls and all that. Too. It's like, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's really dark. It is really dark. <laughs> Between people who have animation in rooms and then also something on the East Coast, like everyone here has a basement, right? A murder yeah. basement. Right. Yeah. But in California, <laughs> I grew up in Orange County, basements don't happen. They only happen in films where someone's going to die. Or like <laughs> if they're really high in the 70s, there's a basement. Those are the only times yeah. you have a basement. So you come to the East Coast and everyone has a basement. So if you hang out with someone, like, come to the basement. No. But then for them, it's very regular. So it's a weird thing. I mean, we, we have like a less of a murder basement now that we have light bulbs everywhere. But yeah, that sounds terrible. more murder basement to me. See, you, you say that's better. I say that's worse. Like, why is there so many lights in the basement? That's also <laughs> scary. There's no like dark, dank corners. You can be like, what's in there? Yeah. <laughs> But then you're like, so now your basement is so well lit. Like someone comes over, like, look, we have nothing to hide. Like, why would you say that? Why would you say that? What do you do? Okay. Uh, so you mentioned that Magical Cat was kind of a pitch idea. Like you wanted, you thought about this being a series. So I imagine you both have plenty of people you could pitch to. But what got you to start putting them out? For, I mean, so the AWC, but you're still putting them out. Does that help or hinder or not matter for wanting to pitch it? Seemingly, it doesn't matter. Um, I don't think we had that thought at, from the get-go. I think we just really wanted to see if we could take something and narratively make it, like, serial, hmm. you know, instead of, like, a one-off. Because we've done a lot of one-off things, so we wanted something that we could come back to and like try new ideas on mm. a little bit more and like test out just more storytelling with the same character kind of thing. And like, I think we want to like continue to do that too, like outside of Magical Cat as well. Mm. But this was like the proof of concept. I feel like every time we do something, it's like the proof of concept for like the next phase that we're in for like figuring things out. And that was this it's like we just want to see if we can take the same thing and tell more interesting stories with the same thing mm. and like even when uh i was forming awc with casey and, and department d folks mm -hmm. for me it was important to like pitch that to other people too because like we didn't know how long we were going to be without work and so we were like what if all of us came up with these serial pitches where now everyone has their own IPs that they're working with and, you know, 
can continue to develop their own little series for something, you mm-hmm. know? And like, because like one of my favorite things from the nineties was Kablam mm. where it was like, you know, kind of a variety show of animation and like animation adjacent things that like, it all worked really well together. I mean, in that, like, there were just segments on top of each other and they were repeating themes and repeating characters and stuff. And so mm. I thought that was where AWC was going to go. It wasn't where it went. <laughs> but that was still kind of like our our approach to it was just like telling stories like a comic strip where it's like quick beat, quick punchline. Those are easier to produce because they're really, really short. Mm. Yeah, because of animation wildcard, yes, I saw more contributors that they even already have some series on their own and they start a show on this platform and to let more people to see it. It's really a magical power <laughs> about this <laughs> community. Yeah, uh, do you want to also yeah. talk about like uh, Hello Stop Mode, this educational podcast? How do you guys plan for that? That was kind of epic. <laughs> like, <laughs> I would say Animation Wildcard happened very organically over a long period of time because we were just kind of responding to what was happening during the pandemic and mm-hmm. who was available to make things and if they had committed to one episode, but then they couldn't make stuff. Like We never punished anybody for not hitting a deadline. It was just like, oh, join the next one then. Not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of just like kept tumbling with animation wildcard and then we gave it a little bit more structure for the second season just because it was like, okay, that was a little too unwieldy. And I feel like now we know what this thing is. Mm -hmm. Um, but for hello stop mo at the end of animation wildcard, we were on a couple of podcasts to talk about like the new friends episode we had invited everybody to, mm-hmm. um, that yeah. were folks we didn't know and we had met and we were all excited about. And we wanted to make sure we were like promoting that because it was different than what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And so during one of the podcasts with Cassie Soliday, who became our producer for Hello Stop Mo, she was like, you guys are really passionate about stop motion mm-hmm. and there's mm-hmm. nothing that just talks about stop motion as like an educational resource and you guys are also very passionate about teaching so like this would be a really good thing if you wanted to do something like that Mm. and um Mm. casey and i had already been talking about uh making resources like built into animation wildcard to like help more people start to make stuff Mm -hmm. so that's sort of what started everything. And then I would say Casey did the bulk of the organizing and the constructing of um, like the structure of the podcast. And I did a lot of like weighing in kind of like with me and Scott, like um, I'd fill out certain areas or say like, I think this one should be here or what if we interviewed this person or, you know, it was just like, more idea generation and like integration, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And then um, recording it was sort of a blur because <laughs> we were in the middle of like a thousand <laughs> things at the time. But, so it was also really late at night for me usually because both Cassie and Casey are on West Coast time and they would do it like after they were done with work. And by that point it's like nine o'clock at night for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we were like recording to like midnight sometimes for me. And they're all out of order. Yeah, <laughs> like it's like, a, because it's already a plan out. So you're recording like already a bunch of episodes mm-hmm. at one day, something mm-hmm. like that, be very efficient. Yeah, that was sort of a plan. And we also like, we had never done it before. Like we were just literally hosts or uh, guests on other people's podcasts twice. So mm-hmm. we had no idea what it was gonna take to host. So Casey and I were also just working out like, okay, well, how do we talk to each other and encourage each other to move to the next topic? And like, when do we, like, there was just a lot of things that were happening like organically between our conversation skills and stuff. (laughs) A little awkward, but it was, I think we had like fun nervous energy, not like scared nervous energy. 
it um, was good. It didn't. There was no nervous or scared sounding on it. It turned out awesome. <laughs> we did re-record the intro though because that one we did first, and you know it was like something that was in my mind. Like I never wrote the intro first in any of my term papers because like you just don't know where you're going <laughs> until you get there. So mm-hmm. like it seemed wrong for me to do the intro first, but. I think we just needed to do it to like get it out of the way. And then we just went back and redid it because it didn't fit at all. (laughs) But yeah, it was fun. Yeah. uh, Well, will there be more or? (laughs) Well, not this year, not this year. Okay. Okay. We have ideas like if we were to do something to like extend this like educational component, but I don't think it would ever be like a, we're going to interview people kind of podcast it would be just like a, oh we have topics we want to hit and like get through don't interview people it's the worst <laughs> <laughs> it just like it that's some stamina you know <laughs> like uh it was a lot even just to record that so it's a lot of yeah. editing it's a lot of editing yeah it's like it was a lot of listening to myself talk which i was also like i don't think i can do this <laughs> a lot <laughs> Is there anything we didn't cover that you guys want to cover? You had a question in there about animating lights. And I did bring some equipment just because it's something that's like really hard to find out how to do yeah. in stop motion. Foo, ask foo, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to uh, talk about it just because it was so hard for us to figure out. So. Yeah. That's awesome. Yes, you please. made it. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> There's a couple of pieces of equipment that you need mm. to animate lights if you're doing stop motion and you're working with uh, Dragon Frame is like the standard stop motion software that everybody uses. And mm. uh, it's really good at communicating with equipment that isn't necessarily meant for stop motion. Like a lot of the lighting equipment you buy is for like stage lighting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There's not many people making like stop motion specific technology. So. Mm. Basically, the first thing that you need is um, this box from Dragon Frame makes it DMX 512. Mm-hmm. And that, this box, you plug it into the computer, and then there's a, you get a DMX cable, which is like a microphone cable. Okay. And you connect it from this box to a dimmer switch, which is this thing. Uh, which is like stage lighting equipment. And this particular one that I have has four channels. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, two, three, three four, four. And you plug your lights into this box. And so if you have the box I just showed connected to this box, mm. um, it's called ADJDP415R for people who are listening and not watching. They're always very memorable names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Thank you. specific equipment. <laughs> to try to figure it out. Okay. Um, so anyways, you plug your lights into this. You have this box connected to that dragon box I just showed. And now you can control lights from within dragon. You can animate them turning on over time or fading or, or whatever you need to, like in a really easy to understand timeline. So you set like a, a basically two keyframes and it will in between it'll do it on its own but that is cool yeah so as you're animating you don't have to think about it it's just doing it what you whatever you programmed before you started it's doing it automatically so Ooh. the that was uh we had like a standard light pointed down at the fireplace for the yule log mm-hmm. and so that was just a regular light that was kind of like fading in and out eee. oh yeah <laughs> yes oh that's the that's so oh, cool. Oh, that's sad. It was pretty fun with it. <laughs> also, there's a nice, like... <laughs> that's I a nice demo. I think that will work for how you just did that maneuver. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting display. I don't want to hit Scott in the head. My head was fine. So you put oh. a light in the back of the chimney prop and just put it right there above it? Okay. This was... There was, so there was a standard light pointing down at the fire. And then we also... For the fire, <laughs> we made these shapes yeah. that just kind of slotted in back here behind yeah. the log. Yeah, and this was very, very technical. It's just a lump of bunch of wood bits. 
Yeah, so basically every... I animated the fire on floors, uh-huh. which means I'm just... I'm changing the shape every four frames. Yes. Because um, I like the look. It looks cool. It's something that I did at uh, Screen Novelties for a project that they were doing there, and so I stole their idea. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. <so>. Incorporated. <laughs> yes. So I, I made, we made these shapes. Lex mm-hmm. came up with this really cool way of doing the fire where if you put light behind it, it looks really cool. Yeah, it's and by so, glue gun. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. Yes. It's oh. like painted hot glue. I don't know if you can see. That's super creative. So like on wax paper or something, you just put it all down and peel it's it up? On, um clear styrene. Mm. Yeah, so it's on like Like, like a plastic. plastic. Okay. You gotta it's flatten. like maybe one thirty second. Okay. Like mm. Um. So, we yeah, and then we had little tiny, little tiny uh, lights that went know, in these holes. That went in these holes that were behind the fire, mm, so that we could animate nice. like red and orange and stuff in the fire. Yeah. And that part was really hard because we had to get an extra piece that we didn't know about to control these little tiny lights, and that's this thing right here. LED mm. controller. LED controller. So you connect that to your dimmer switch, oh, which is this thing. Another okay. The good old DP four fifteen R. Yeah. So you have this box connected to this box, yes. which is connected to that Dragon product okay. that box, and so this this allows you to control little LED lights. Oh. And this right. you have to wire, you have to wire it yourself. So you have to like know a little bit about wiring. Uh, because it doesn't doesn't come with like an easy to use power cord or anything like that. It's like this very weird equipment where they don't help you at all. Come with the schematic. You're like, I'm not an engineer. What? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they figure whoever's buying this knows what they're doing. But like, if you're a stop motion animator, you're like, I don't know what to do with this thing when I get it. It's like crazy. Uh, they clearly don't know Americans. <laughs> they also have. If somebody is going through this process, they will run into a problem. This red thing. Yes. in the back it's called a dip switch mm-hmm. and that is so like it's such weird technology it's these little white switches uh-huh. over numbers and you have to like flick them on or off depending on what channel you want your tiny lights to be on in dragon so it's wow. it's in binary right so like it's the aggregate number of whichever yeah, it's it's, it's a weird math equation, and I just got an app on my phone to figure it out. Okay. I was like, I just want these little lights to be on channel five because okay. this this big dimmer pack has channels one through four for the lights. And in Dragon, you're controlling light channels, so you have one through four, and then you're good. So you're gonna want your LED small lights to be on like start on channel five. Um, oh. So I've just I'm like in my app. I'm just like just give me channel five, and then. It's, <laughs> There's a little picture, a little diagram. What app did you use? The app? I don't remember what it's called. It's, Probably. There's not many dip switch apps. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, the simplest lighting that we did was for this half of a tree. Oh, I remember. Yes. <laughs> it's just like a plain, you know, I painted the wire so it would match yeah and then painted the bulbs so we could pick the colors um but you just have to strip the little bottom off Uh and then i have a separate thing that we would use for that which i don't think we brought in but but yeah wiring little lights like that is pretty easy it's like you strip off like whatever plug is on the end of it and then you can connect those two wires to whatever equipment you want because this was a battery box so like you don't want your power on battery power otherwise mm. your lights will flicker oh. or dim over time because your batteries are dying yes right so well that's what the led box is for right otherwise a dimmer would just flicker on the leds when they get the lower power uh it depends leds if you're using leds like true leds or you're using like grain of wheats which are incandescent bulbs mm-hmm Incandescent bulbs, you can dim. Um, you have to make sure your LEDs can dim. Like right. they have, that has to be a specification. Okay. Right. Otherwise, you're just on or off. But right. like the grain of wheats will dim, and they also will like supernova and then die. So right. you have to like make sure you don't like go past their voltage, or you'll like blow them really okay. fast. 
So, yeah. It's similar to, well, it feels like when you're wiring your house for the smart home and stuff, like some dimmers would do weird shit with the LEDs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have to get very specific bulbs to yeah. work with the equipment. So it's very, it's really tricky. It's not an easy thing to do. No, but as long as you know what your, like, and they're never, they're never more than 12 volts, honestly, because they're so tiny. It's hard to find 12 volts. A lot of times they're like three. Mm. So, and that's hard to actually find a power source for. Like, you can find, like, easy, like, power sources for a 12-volt anything because you can do, like, these extra little, like, pigtail plug-in things. Yeah. Thank you so much for the demo, like, for all the things. Mm. A tiny question for that is that, like, for your magical cat, is it more like, because of the story, we really need that lighting, so we need to learn for it? Or it's more like, we we better as a studio, we know this technique as well to show the client. So it's like, like it's more story or it's more practical studio based? Uh, it's a good question. Yeah, it is both. It's like, mm. some of it is specific to magical cat story, like the episode of the rain boot. Like, I won't. <laughs> wanted the lighting to look like it was a rainy day out so it's kind of like dull yeah um uh, and then other ones like you're saying are just you know i'd want to do some lighting that i could show to a client mm, to show I different, do this. different examples of lighting mm -hmm. because i'm not a dp um but lighting functions like one a lot right and if you want if you're working with a client, you're trying to convince them that you can do animation remotely, stop motion animation without like a like a DP, like a hired DP. I have examples of lighting situations that I can show them that we've done. Mm -hmm. um, and I had to do that recently. And luckily I have Magical Cat. So I can be like, watch Magical Cat. There's a bunch of different kinds of lighting there. So wow. that's cool. It's like the most adorable. Hey, we could do it. Go watch this really cute little video where I do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, and Threadwood's uh, goal is more and more like you will be in-house studio better, like can host and can be really managed from beginning to the end. Like more of this type of project you guys can handle. Yeah, yes. we definitely like the the creative directing side of it mm -hmm. um, and having like having a hand in it from start to finish because like, you don't always get that with client work. Sometimes you're working for another creative director. Um, we've And we've worked with some really wonderful people too in those situations where it's just like kind of exciting to have someone with a different level of experience than you to be able to like bring them what they're asking for. Mm -hmm. um, but we're definitely looking to like push ourselves in like the creative direction that we want to go in too. So it's like, we like to support the work, but we also want to make more work that is like more in tune to like our sensibilities and um, where we want to go to. You both do independent stuff. How do you balance maintaining the Threadwood growth with having to go, well, I'm sure wanting to go do the other animating stuff too? I, I think it, we kind of just always know what our calendar is like. So it's and also i feel like everything always comes at the same time mm. so you're really able to make some decisions too because it's like if you have three irons in the fire and two of them seem like a sure thing and one of them doesn't and those two both fit or one or they're competing like you have to make some choices and this time it worked out where the two that are going to work out are actually ones that like fit in the calendar together so it's just like he had to take this on like an earlier slot and then we can take the next one on the later slot. Uh, stupid question. I, so I know like my projects, sometimes I have a hole in my schedule and something comes that they need one right then. And other times mm -hmm. it's like, I'll see you next, I'll see you almost a year from now kind of stuff. Like how yeah. is it for you two and that, like for your booking? Kind of the same. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we haven't been like super freelance really ever until moving out here. Um, like, I think I was a bit more freelance than, than you were because mm -hmm. I wasn't always on site. Like, I was doing remote work before we had to do remote work. Mm. Um, so, 
my schedule was a little bit more like gappy and just starting to like figure out how to balance all that stuff and still be able to work with people I want to and maybe sometimes double stack myself. Mm. Um, But I'd only do that if it was like possible, you know, and it wasn't like a big commitment. If it was something like, hey, I could just really use some help for like three days and I'm in a good spot and like part of something we're working on, like I could take that on. Yeah. The the way that we split up the work too is can help with that because yeah, like Alexis does a lot of the work on the front end and then it gets handed off to me for like animation and stuff. So mm-hmm. if she hands it off to me and then we start interacting with a client about a job coming up, she can like start doing that pre-production work, mm-hmm. scheduling and stuff like that. And then you know maybe by the time I'm done with what I'm doing, then we like meet up and we can start working on the next thing. Yeah, it de- it depends on like how much of the pipeline we take on too. Like hmm. the last big project we did was like building and all like stage shooting. So that was very much like pre-production and production, but we didn't do any posts for that. We just handed it all off. Hmm. Um, we hmm. have done posts for some things. That's probably not something we're looking to do all the time. So it's like only on select things or just on our stuff. Um, so it does free me up at the end. Really you mean smart. you did post posted like you were just strictly post for someone else's animation? No, like we would handle post for whatever we did and Got then handle it. like the final. And yeah. Post no, is really. not your favorite, I'm guessing, correct? We're not we don't love creative work where you're like sitting in front of the computer because it's just yeah. it's just like kind of draining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Another hit on CG. <laughs> it just doesn't work for us yeah um it's like i don't mind honestly like i don't mind sitting in front of spreadsheets but <laughs> sitting in front of like after effects really like punches me in the face after a while. <laughs> i want to thank you for already sit here with mm. us for two hours <laughs> yeah well, this is not like <laughs> yeah this is fine well, we're going to ask you to edit it after, so. <laughs> <laughs> like, thank you, no, thank you. We can take it back. <laughs> do you have a targeted goal for Threadwood, or is it sort of, like, do you want it to be OC Studio? Do you want it to be third party? What Do you have a, that's it, do you have a goal for it specifically? I think we have broad strokes goals. Like, that's kind of how we've always operated. Hmm. Um, I think we just want as much like original content as possible. And so like we'll take jobs that can support that and then hopefully help us develop new things because we just want to make silly things that we find funny. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The goal, I think the goal is to stay small so yeah. that we don't become just like, you know, kind of in an office and not being able to do the creative stuff. Mm. Yeah. Stay small and maybe if we can have our personal projects provide our income, that would be cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, like Magical Cat doesn't make us any money. It's just something that we do. Well, I suppose it might make us money in the way that somebody might see it and then yeah. hire us for something. I would, but... I would yeah. call Magical Cat our, our only marketing at the moment. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> we don't do marketing. We just make Magical Cat. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's a trick though, right? Because if magical, like it blew up on TikTok and it is doing, I mean, it's getting legs of its own. If someone comes to you and says, we want this, do you, so let's say HBO says, we want to do this on, you know, some bumper style series or whatever. Do you come in and still animate on it or, and give off production to someone else? Or what do you do? I guess it would depend on like, delivery and scope and stuff and Mm. also just like I don't know the business side of things is like the uh, side (laughs) but it's like you know we did have to talk to somebody because somebody had have reached out to us about licensing and we just have no idea what that means so like we had to talk to a lawyer and then we realized okay well that's not the right fit but that is possible in the future so I'm glad we had this conversation you Mm. know like yeah these are things that we now understand slightly better than novice so mm-hmm. it's tricky it's like i don't i'm not sh- sure i would love to do some animation 
like if it, yeah. if it got picked up as like some kind of series for a network. Mm -hmm. But then there's also this idea that, well, that'd be kind of nice if we could like pass that on to somebody else while we figure Develop out the next thing, thing that uh -huh. we yeah. want to do. So I'm not sure what we do in that situation, but either way, it would be great. Yeah. It's, it's a good problem to have. It is a good problem. Yeah. So yeah, I don't have an answer for that, but there are plenty of options um, to solve solve for X, you know, yeah. in that situation. Wow. Um, and we're pretty open to most things, I'd say, so long as, like, we get to still be creative. Like, I think that's, mm -hmm. like, the key component to most of our, like, future growth is just that, like, we get to still have, like, the creative control and the stuff that we're doing moving forward and that like we do like supporting um other creatives and production pipelines that feel like they're helping us grow too like mm -hmm. so it's kind of just deciding which ones feel right and that's sort of like a weird gut instinct kind of thing and also a schedule thing for sure yeah because, yeah, I mean, you can kind of tell when someone's, like, talking to you about something. If you're like, oh, this, this feels like it'll be a good fit. Or you're just like, nope, uh, yeah. not for me. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, halfway through a conversation, you're like, why did I say yes? No. <laughs> Sometimes. This, yeah. is a, this is a poor choice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. I was going to ask you if you wanted to share, like, an idea that someone's asked you to do where you're just like absolutely not but then that'd be really specific and they'd probably know so <laughs> yeah i don't think i want to like i think it's just like when people reach out to you without knowing what you do and then ask for something that's like wildly different and you're just like i don't do that oh um <laughs> social media music video requests <laughs> are no <laughs> no yeah just a hard no. It's a, first of all, it's like we have our, like, for work inquiries, email us. We would like to do our business. Like, yeah. Please so, talk to me via Instagram oh. for business inquiries. Like, yeah. It's okay. just like an inappropriate It's place. super, it's always really informal. It's just like, oh, I, I made this song and I'd love to have like a three minute animated music video. Let's like, collaborate. And you're like, I don't know you, person. <laughs> Yeah, and collaborate yeah. is a word that means you're not going to pay me what it's worth. Yeah. I would love to collaborate with my friends, but are you my friend? All right, if we're going to do something for no money, it's going to be something that we want to do. Yeah, I like see. Like one of our ideas. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a joke I make constantly because it's true. If you animate, you're going to be asked to do music videos for $300. Oh, absolutely. And they'll think that that's like a big budget. Like, I have $300. You're like, whoa. <laughs> you like, can have half a day. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, on Instagram. I was like, because I know music people and I know animation people. And I was like, just as an educational purpose, you don't ask for that unless you have like at least like 30000 And then even then, right, I, I said just on a lark, I'm like, hey, animation friends, how long would it take you by yourself Whatever genre style of, of animation you do, to do three and a half minutes. And you know, you get 2D animators, you have stop motion, and they range from like three months for someone, some of the people who said three months, I'm, they're very good and fast. But you yeah. go from basically about six months to like 18 months. I mean, depending on what yeah. you're doing, it's like you want to buy someone's life for half a year to a year. Yeah, yeah now you're looking at 50, 60 minimum and going up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that's like, it's so unheard of. And like, I feel like a lot of that indie stuff that happens is mostly just because it's either like a really tight animator friend or like they really want to cut their teeth in like music videos and they're reaching out to a musician they want to work with. Okay. Like that's like totally different because it's like, yeah. you're almost like volunteering your services as like a, I want this as like a proof of concept for me. Uh huh. You know. Mm -hmm. But that's three and a half minutes is like okay. So I'm I'm guessing yeah. you two. Do you have ideas for animators who do want to do that? Right? Do you mm -hmm. have ideas where they could go? That is a much much less of a time investment. I think like when you do like more abstract experimental stuff, like you can get away with like doing things fairly quickly, but you also have to allow time for your process because like 
you don't know what's going to look good on camera until you start to do that if you're doing experimental stuff, you know? And so that will be the time instead of, like, just the animation time is, like, trying to play with the the weird new idea you have. Mm. Um, but also, like, when you're doing musical stuff, like, at, <clears throat> in my former life as a dance teacher, you also when you choreograph a piece you tend to repeat stuff when the chorus repeats or when the bridge comes in like you have an element from somewhere else that you like take along for the ride you know so it's like you kind of think about music more like choreography than like just telling an epic story because then you're going to get caught telling a three and a half minute story instead of like responding to musical cues and like repeating elements that like are kind of like there to do exactly that, you know, mm. like it's building you to want that thing again. So in addition to a three and a half minute musical cat music song will come out, I now know that there will be choreography of YouTube <laughs> dancing with it. That is, that is my secret future project. Like Lawrence had to animate by just choreographing something. <laughs> Do you have any other toys you wanted to show off? We have our figures behind us. That those might fall though. That might not yeah, be a great idea. Delicate. Uh, How about um, the award? Oh, you know what? <laughs> How do you animate the Emmys? Uh, we have not animated the Emmys. Yeah, yeah. The... Those just stay there, so that way people know we're legit. Yeah, it's uh, just a legitimacy thing. <laughs> Did you name like, them? No, we do it. Yeah. May I ask about like what is especially like animation direction? Like, um, what's that categorized mm. for? Yeah. Uh, depends on what studio you work at. Mm -hmm. Um, it's generally you're in charge of. Deciding on the animation style, deciding how certain characters are animated, um, and that's that's generally what animation direction means. You like go to a an animator on an animation stage. You talk about the shot together. You talk about the acting. Um, you have you hold meetings where you critique uh, animation and stuff like that. And uh, the technical end of it too is like you're the one meeting with all of the departments to make sure that they're on the same page as you. So like. Mm -hmm you would come to me and be like, I need this thing to break in a certain way or to move in a certain way. Yeah. And then it's my responsibility to make sure that like whatever I'm building or if a builder is working for me, that they're making it to the specifications of the action that needs to happen. Right. And like, and how it is supported. This was at Stupid Buddy Studios where I was doing animation direction. Mm -hmm. And that, and the title encompassed a lot more. Mm -hmm. It was like, you know, I also had to be a bit of like a technical director. There was, mm -hmm. uh, you know, figuring out rigs and, and uh, communicating with the departments, like Lex was saying, going to the puppet department, seeing what we can do better, uh, giving them suggestions, stuff like that. And then there's managerial stuff like dealing with staff and hiring and organizing meetings, hiring, yeah, mm. uh, setting up like, you know, a test stage for animators to come test on and stuff like that. Encouraging wow. um, growth. Yeah, I mean, it was a very, it's a very uh, demanding position in stop motion. You're just, I was just running around all the time from stage to stage. And it's like also at, at a certain point during a production, the director or directors, if there's more than one, they have to start going to like edits and, Color. and stuff like that, mm -hmm. sit in on meetings as the episodes are being finished. And then so it's the animation director's job to step up and become the director uh, when they're away. So then you're like, you have to know about camera angles and stuff like that. So you're figuring out mm. the cinematography and, and all that kind of stuff. It's, wow. It gets pretty intense. Uh, do they have edit bays in Stupid Buddy or are they going out? Yeah. They okay. did, yeah. Yeah, sometimes they go off-site for certain things. I can't remember for what color. was what. For their, their color. color, they would go off-site. Right, but they would edit. But they would do voice records on-site, too, which is yeah. another reason they'd be off-stages. Yeah, mm. yeah, they'd direct the voice records also. So, mm -hmm. mm. so yeah. it's basically all-encompassing house for everything but 
Actually, basically almost everything. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And yeah. everything was in-house. Wow. Yeah. yeah, it was a pretty intense place to work. It's just nonstop. There's a stage set up for the test for animation. Like you, that's just terrifying. Someone comes in, they're nervous already because they have to do a test. They're trying yeah. to get a job, and there is like I'm just imagining you walk in the door and there's a stage with like a spotlight over it. It's, and it's like go. I mean, that's like pretty much what it was. But it was like it was interesting uh, because it's just like you. I wanted to make sure that the animators coming on could could adjust and match the style that we were doing on the show that I was working on. Mm. And part of the animation direction job is to get everybody to conform to one style so that from shot to shot, the animation isn't wildly different. Like somebody's animating like Looney Tunes and then somebody's animating like a, like a feature uh, okay. mm. so trying to get everybody to meet somewhere in the middle. Mm. Um, so mm. for the test stage, yeah, we did. basically like you're describing those, it's a small, stage all black around like maybe one or two lights and a camera and like a character and then i'd explain uh i think i was co-directing animation directing with uh Cianuk, mm. uh my coworker, and so yeah we tell them what we want and then come back and tell sometimes them. it'd be great and sometimes yeah. it wouldn't yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's terrifying because you're not going to give a bunch of space to that stage so it's just like yeah, oh, so it was a cramped little tiny box. Yeah, I tried to make it inviting, like have like the the show be like the background on the desktop of the computer and stuff, so it feels a little <laughs> friendly and exciting. But it was so, probably pretty not intense. murdering people, just murdering careers. <laughs> soul crushing. Yeah, crushing yeah. souls. Way worse. Way worse. <laughs> so yeah, the award for the animation direction that is Scott's strength, and it's not only you have it; you still got nominated like once and once again. And for Lex, it's also got a word, and it's for uh, art direction. Is that uh, also for stupid body? So that that award that like Scott qualified to like actually go up on the stage and get. Mm -hmm. was actually sort of mm -hmm. like the team win for that episode because it mm -hmm. was like I think it was two episodes one you were on one you weren't because I yeah we were like on two different things like he has an individual achievement award also that's just his no one else is on that award oh, and that's mm -hmm. just from his animation okay um but there was two team wins for the Christmas specials for Robot Chicken. And one of them was the ones he, he went up and like accepted the award with like the team of people. Mm -hmm. And then the other one, I don't think you were on that show that year, but, um, but yeah, so those were like big team wins at the same time because it was the episode that won um, for, what was it? The, I forgot the category. It's short. Uh, short form animation. Short form animation. So it wasn't just like just for direction or just for animation direction. It was for the episode. Yeah, it's for the entire episode. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's a special, isn't it? For that one. It was. Yeah, those were. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were saying it is special. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty special. <laughs> <laughs> it is, but it's also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a special. Yeah. A special. Right. Yeah. For that special, do you have more freedom? For your still? Um, so the first one we did I, was a more cohesive episode, like the first one that we did. And I think that was the one you weren't on. I think you're in the second one. But the first, yeah, so the first one, it was like we were, it was this weird, like, because Robot Chicken is a sketch comedy show, but that one sort of had like a through line that was like, there was a bunch of time spent in like a Santa's workshop mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. like, so it had like a very like established look for most of the episode. And there were like zombie elves involved. It was like bananas. <laughs> so like that one like did actually get some nice like production design involved because like Santa's workshop had to be a thing. So mm -hmm. it was like, mm -hmm. we got to explore Santa's workshop for that episode and it was very fun. Um, but the following one was very PC. So it was pretty much just like a regular episode of Robot Chicken. And it was just like finding the things that fit. And oh. that's usually how that show kind of went. And the art department was just like going into, you know, all of our back stock, 
walls and props and set pieces and so much toy furniture and made furniture that you're really just walking into like a tiny prop house. And so you can just start to like pull things together to like make different eras or um, different style architecture things. It's like interior Um, designer for mini set. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It, it's much more like live action designing uh-huh. I think, than like stop motion designing because like okay. in, in Robot Chicken, like you do have a prop house to work with. But like whenever you work on any other stop motion production, like you have to create the world from scratch, you know? Mm. That's also probably one of the only shows where a set will last five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it's like, yeah, you, when you're talking to like your team and stuff, you're like, we're not seeing this one very long. Don't put too much in it. (laughs) (laughs) This is a one wall set, one wall sofa. That's it. And the gag, that's it. No more things. (laughs) Okay. So for robot chicken in particular, like you said, I mean, there's so many sets that are used so infrequently and it's basically a prop house. How do the props end up there? Like, do you kind of just randomly go shopping and bring stuff in or is it, I mean, a lot of it was like amassed over time. I think also the studio had changed several times before like I even started working on it like as an intern. And like I was on four seasons of Robot Chickens. I started as an intern and then I was a builder and then I was an art director twice. Mm. And um, by the time it was that stupid buddy, it had already passed through two studios. So like there was a slushy inventory that had some other shows attached to it. Mm. And also just like things that were falling apart, things that weren't well-maintained, like it was sort of messy. So we spent like a full season when I was art directing, like kind of putting things back together and like making kits out of stuff. Cause also it got really crazy. Mm. Like things would just get cannibalized really quickly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also we lost a lot of inventory due to like other shows pulling assets for things. So it was like, I did a lot of eBay shopping uh-huh. for like toy bots. Uh-huh. It was like, you know, people just put up their old toys and they're like, 30 bucks. And I'm like, great. <laughs> Let me buy a hundred crap toys and I'm going to cut them all up anyway. So some of these toys might have made it into an episode. That's pretty cool. Like something that you had as a child and now you, it's on a show that you watch as an adult that you just sold off and you're like, oh, that's, you would never that's know. My but thing. Dude, my old <laughs> Yeah, there's also some really obscure stuff that, like, you absolutely had to source, too, because that was the joke. So, like, that was always fun to try and hunt down something crazy. There's uh, if any links you want to mention or say, socials for you both? Um, our website is threadwood.com. Mm-hmm. Um, our Instagram is at underscore threadwood. And our TikTok is at threadwood. Okay. Yeah. And then YouTube and Vimeo, you can find us on Threadwood. If you go to the, like, the Threadwood Instagram, I think it links to both of our personal accounts if you're If uh, you're curious. really interested. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if, if you need a music video shot, go ahead and follow them and DM them both. <laughs> no. And then, you know, no. if you have your personal Instagrams, then from there you can find our websites and all that. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty easy to Google us, too, so it's, it's fine. Threadwood is yes. the best place to look for us. Yes, okay. <laughs> Question from the last guest for you both is, if you could only use one color for an animation, what color would it be and why? I would use purple. I think I would use purple, too. Ooh. It's my favorite color. Okay. It's versatile. Um <laughs> I think it's our favorite color, generally speaking, because it's both warm and cool. Purple. Yeah. 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 You can make warm purple. You can make cool purple. <laughs> the most yeah. bipolar of colors. I like it. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, I don't know something about it. It's excellent. <laughs> it's a good blender color. It's also a good base color. Mm. Yeah. You can get a really rich dark purple, and it's gorgeous, or a really nice light purple. Like a lavender, light, mm. light lavender color. Yeah. Lighter cat. It is a very very versatile color. If it's good enough for royalty and it's good enough for prints, like it's good enough for us. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what is your question for the next guest? What is your favorite animation from your childhood? 
could be anything. Yeah. Well, it's already、mm. always hard to. <laughs> Sometimes it pop out so many. Yeah. I think hardest for us because we have all like the late eighties, early nineties stuff to pull from, kind of.、Mm-hmm. And then like there's a spot in the two thousands where the answer is basically be for everyone Yu Gi Oh or Pokemon or something. Yeah. Right. We had KCAL Kids Club. I had Tailspin. I had Gummy Bears. I had Mario Brothers. Anyway, I mean the eighties were also a weird time because you still got stuff from like the seventies and like the fifties and the forties. So it's、yeah. like I feel like I had a very rich animation history from like the eighties and early nineties、mm-hmm. just from American TV. Yeah, because they didn't want to pay for new animation, so they just kept recycling stuff.、Mm-hmm. They're like, let me get weird stuff from like Europe and Japan and wherever, and they're like, just. Give them that. That's enough.、Mm-hmm. So you're just getting all sorts of bizarre animation all the time. All the Saban, Saban, he just bought、yeah. stuff and dubbed it. My ass is genius. He got so rich. He did the theme song. <laughs> anyway, now the final thing. The show is going to end, and we don't want to end it. So, <laughs> how would you like to end the show? Can we just say, "Thank you, bye." Sure. <laughs> 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 Okay. That's it. <laughs> Perfect. Done. <laughs> <laughs>